Good morning. It is good to be here with you on this weekend that we remember and celebrate the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, I hope and pray that as you enjoy the weekend, as you have time with friends, as you have time to reflect, that you also have a time to be encouraged that um, there was someone who stood and st- said, um, this is the way. And so I'm very grateful for this weekend. I'm very grateful for you to be here. But I also somewhat have a, a heavy heart this weekend. Um, my, my phone has gone off quite a bit with people saying, hey, pastor, this is what I'm going through. This is my struggle. Pray for my family. Things are going on. Just different things. Um, even this morning, a young lady texted and said, one of my friends tragically took their life. Would you pray for me and her family? Um, we've had people call and say, this is what's going on in my health. Um, I'm just curious, do we have anybody affected in this room this morning by the, the government shutdown, the partial shutdown? Are there individuals that are being affected by that? So one, two, three, um, three people. Okay, before you leave today, please come see me. I want to have just a quick word with you, and uh, I would very much appreciate that. Um, what I'd like for us to do is, um, if we could stand before I start the sermon, just please go ahead and stand. You don't have to get crazy stretching way out or anything like that, but if you could just connect with the people around you, grab a hand, uh, grab an elbow, lock an arm, whatever you're comfortable with works for me. If you want to stretch it all the way around, I'm all right with that too. I shared with you the things that people have said, this is what's going on in my life, but I'm quite certain that on your row, people are going through different things. Um, we don't have to know them. We know the God that does, right? So you just pray for the person on your left or your right. Does, let me ask you a quick question before I pray. Does everybody know the person on the left or right? If you don't, just call a timeout and say, hey, what's up? My name is. <laughs> yes, very good. That's your family right there. That's your church family. That's the people you're going to spend eternity with. Get comfortable with them. All right? So now we're going to go to our God, El Shaddai, the Almighty, the All-Powerful. Father, I thank you this morning that we can be in this room together as family through the blood of Christ. God, we thank you for those that have gone before us that um, carried the banner that said that all men... Um, in Christ, there's neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, but we are your people. We were bought by the blood of Christ, and I thank you that you have joined us together, not just as friends, but family for eternity. And God, this morning, we pray for one another. Lord, I pray for the family of the young lady whose um, life was tragically lost. God, I pray that in this moment that your Holy Spirit would fill the, the room and the place where that family is gathered. Lord, that they would um, know you. Lord, that you would send people around them that would be able to say, times are hard, but God doesn't leave you. He is Jehovah Shammah. He is always there. Lord, this morning we pray for each other, for, for those of us who are going through physical, spiritual, emotional um, pain, God. We thank you that you are... Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, that you meet our need through healing. And God, we thank you that we're going to learn today that you are El Shaddai, the Almighty God, the God Almighty, the 
the all-sufficient God, the God with all power that no matter what we face, whether it be job, relationship, inner turmoil, outer struggle, um, change, whatever it is, God, that we know that you are more powerful than what we face. God, I thank you that you told us in your word that greater is he that is in you. You, God, you're in us. Thank you that you're greater than the one that's in the world. And God, no matter where we face, what we're walking through, what's about to happen, has happened, or is happening right now, that we, by faith, can rely on you. And so, Father, we pray for one another. We pray for that person to our left. God, we pray for that person to our right. God, we ask that in the, in the moments of this preach, preaching of your word, Holy Spirit, that you would just fall on each one of us, consume us, and help us to realize that, God, you are for us. God, that you would help us to realize that you have put us on this earth for a purpose. God, that you have a plan and that, God, you want us to be your ambassadors. So, Lord, whether we're in the valley of the shadow of death, whether we're on the mountaintop or somewhere in between, God, we know that when we hand it to you, when we call or allow you to be in us and we work according to your purpose, God, that you're causing all of these things to develop in us a holiness that is a light to the world. God, we ask you for bright lights. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you for praying for each other. Um, today, our topic is... God, our help, El Shaddai. El Shaddai is a name that God gave himself. It occurs multiple times in the scripture. Um, one of the most prevalent times is in Exodus chapter 6 verse 2. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. He said, I am the almighty God, the all-powerful God. I am the one who is greater than anything that you can imagine or anything you can fathom. So say it with me this morning. Um, El Shaddai, God Almighty. You have half the outline in your bulletin. The other half is a blank page because I want you to take notes this morning. I want you to have to listen. I want you to write. And I will signpost each of the points that are not posted. And if you have a question at the end, I'd love to talk to you and we'll fill in the rest of your outline. How does that sound? Super. Um, how many of y'all, when you went to high school and college, you took notes? Why did you take the notes? Because you wanted to pass the test, right? How many of you, when you sit in church, take notes? Good. Well, the rest of us, let's take notes because there will be a test, I promise. It may not be my test, but it'll be a test that's coming. And when you have the material, you know the stuff, then you will pass the test. So the first thing in your outline, write down Exodus 6-2. Next thing you want to write down is El Shaddai, S-H-A-D-D-A-I, God Almighty. I want to talk to you about the word power. The all-powerful God. I want to talk to you about a word that has fallen in on hard times. Would you agree with me? 
Because every time we hear that word power, it's usually somebody who thinks that they have more of it than we do. And they want to use it on us to make us submit to their will, their way, their want, their desire. Well, I want to go ahead and tell you now, power is not a bad word. Power is a word that God used. It's a word that God said is a good thing. It's something you want in your life. We need power. But today's message is about not the power to control, but about the power to survive. It is about the powerlessness that many in our society feel every day. I want to ask you the question, where do you go to get the power that you need to walk through the life that you're living right now? And I know the Sunday school answer. We would all say, we go to, and our habits would say, um. Now, I'm just giving you a testimony. I'm not accusing here, okay? I know what I was trained to say. I know what my mama told me to say. Hey, when the Sunday school teacher asks you a question, you can't go wrong with God. So that's what we learned. We began to use it. But again, the struggle is taking the knowledge, the information, downloading it to the heart, and then letting the information become transformation. And God says, I am El Shaddai. I am the all-powerful God. I am the one that wants to step into your life. I'm the one that wants to control your life. But again, don't hear the bad word there. Hear the loving, benevolent Father that says, when you are weak, I am strong. When you are sick, I am the healer. When you feel lonely, I am there. Remember that God, the God that wants to not come and exercise just authority in your life, but he wants to take that authority and help you to live your best life. So El Shaddai, that's who he is. The reality is this, God never promised an easy life. It's almost like he said, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. There's going to be a little, what, rain sometime? And um, for every rose, there's a thorn. And I could keep on going. But listen, God does not promise that. But we in the church sometimes, we give that idea. We give the idea, hey, I know your life is in the tank right now. But if you will just bow your head, fold your hands. And if you'll just say, God, come into my life. Oh, it's going to be it. Well, here's the reality. The second you bow your head and say, God, come into my life, all hell breaks loose. Because Satan knows now that he cannot destroy you eternally, but he can sure torment you temporarily. temporarily. And so God says, I am powerful. God says that when you walk through the valley, I will be there. God says, do everything to stand. When the evil day comes, do everything to stand. And when you've done everything, he says, stand. And El Shaddai says, I'm Jehovah Shammah. I'm powerful and I'm there. And I'm going to walk with you through it. Your powerlessness, your powerless life may not force you on a crazy shooting rampage. But your powerless life may keep you from living your best life. It may keep you from living the way God intended to be lived. The point of today's message... You and I do not have to live powerless lives. 
God says, I want you to have my power today and every day, even in the midst of pain and suffering. Write down Job 6.10. In the book of Job, chapter 6, verse 10, Job said this. He said, at least, (laughs) if I can't do anything else, he says, at least I can say, take comfort in this, despite the pain, I have not denied the words of the Holy One. He said, oh, I've been through it. I have lost more than anybody ought to lose. I have suffered more than anybody ought to suffer. I have been in places that nobody should have been. And he says, at least I can say this. I have not denied the words of the Holy One. You see, the words of the Holy One make us a promise. And the promise is this. That you and I, you and I, can experience God's unlimited, God's divine, God's supernatural power in our lives. And we can live the way he intended us to live, enduring hardship and pain. Being humble in victory. God says, I have this for you, am I okay? you're going to be okay. We can do that. God makes a promise. God doesn't want us just to talk about power. He wants us to access power. Write down 1 Corinthians 4.20. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, The kingdom of God is not just fancy talk. You see, it's really cool to get around a bunch of people that talk God and know how to put into the conversation. And that's not a bad thing. But he said it's not just fancy talk. It's living... By God's power. We began this series talking about how God meets your deepest needs. How God looks at your life, sees your life and says, I have a remedy. I have a solution. I have an investment to make in your life right at the place of your deepest need. And he gave us, he gives to us different names that we've been looking at. We've already mentioned them today. Um, we've mentioned Jehovah Shammah, which means what? God is always there. We've mentioned Jehovah Rapha. God, I am the God who provides. I'm the God who heals. Yes. And today he says, I am El Shaddai, the God Almighty, no matter what you face. So see, this morning, you walk in here as an individual that's part of a whole. The whole has needs that God says, I will meet. But he also says to you, the person, I'm ready to meet that need in your life. You see, here's here's an interesting thing about church folk. We all believe God has power. We all believe that God parted the waters, gave the Ten Commandments. We all believe that God raised Lazarus from the dead and all of those things. It's not a question, do we believe God has power? Really, the, the crux of the matter is this. Does God want to exercise that power that I know he has? Does he want to exercise it in my life? You see, because it's easy to look and say, man, God did this for Dr. King. God did this for Billy Graham. God did this for a person I know. And God did this and that. But man, when the things are falling apart in your life, is it does God really want to step into my life? And I want to tell you this morning that God wants to step into your life right where you are right now. El Shaddai. We have the need for power 
over our lives. God wants to give us the power that we need in that. That power comes via a personal, dependent relationship with El Shaddai. Personal, dependent. Each week we talk about a need. Psalm 68, 35 says this. You, God, are awesome. In your sanctuary, the God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. So I ask you this morning, are you a child of God? Have you entered into that personal relationship with God through his son Christ? And I see heads nodding. Yes, I have. I've been there. I've done that. Then I want to tell you, Nee, that what you have this morning is the power of an almighty God in your life. And when you say, I can't, then what you're saying is that Satan is more powerful than God and that you're following him instead of God. God says, I, the God of Israel, give power and strength to my people. And then the psalmist says, praise be to God. It's the affirmation that God is doing what he said he would do. It's the affirmation that God has done what he has said he will do. This morning, did you wake up and feel defeated? Or did you wake up and say, praise be to God, the God of Israel, who has already given me my power. How many of you made coffee before you came to church this morning at your house? It probably went something like this. You took out a filter, you took out the coffee, you put the coffee in the filter, you put the filter or the filter in the basket, then put the coffee in it, poured some water, let that water run over the coffee, and what was the product? Caffeine, a beverage you could drink. And you drank that because you believed it would give you power to wake up. Well, I want to tell you this. You are the coffee. The water is God. God is wanting to flow through you. And what comes out in the pot is a powerful something that has the ability to wake you up. That's who God is. And that's what God wants to do in your life. The last verse you should have written down is this. Psalm 68, 35. So, again. When can I, write this down, when can I count on God's power? Again, I don't think the struggle is, is, I don't think the question is, is God powerful? We would all agree God is powerful. And even some of us believe that God's power wants to work in us. But we think we really can't call on it or rely on it till it's like one of the big ones. You see, what, you understand what I'm talking about? Like, I just found out I had a disease. I just looked at my bank account and I don't know how we're going to eat. Or my relationship is falling apart. And then we cry out, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. I'll do anything, God. And God is there for that because he is Jehovah Shammah, always there. But what I want to tell you this morning is that God is also there for the little things. So write this down. I can rely on God's power. When I am tired. Does anybody ever get tired? Do you start Monday going, when's Friday going to get here? 
Yes, we do. That happens. It's real. I don't even really have to ask you that you're tired. I'll be honest with you. I can see it in some of your faces and your nodding heads. We're tired. Nothing wrong with admitting that. I'm tired. It's been a long week. I'm tired. It's been emotional. I'm tired. This is what's going on. I'm tired because it seems like I'm stuck here. And I want to tell you this morning that even if you, your greatest need this morning is I am tired, you can count on God. Isaiah, write this down, Isaiah 40, 28 to 31, says, Do you not know, question mark, have you not heard, question mark, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. And even youths grow tired. And even youths grow weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. So he's just told us here. Isaiah just said here's the key. You're going to get tired. You're going to get tired if you're young. You're going to get tired if you've expended too much energy. You're going to get tired if you're walking through different things in life. He says, but those who hope in the Lord. That means rely on, depend upon, ask Him. They will will renew their strength. They will be renewed. So this morning, if you want to be renewed, put your hope in the Lord. Call out to him. Cry out to him. Cry out to people that you know. And say, hey, this is what just happened and I need prayer. Hey, this is what just happened and I need a friend. Hey, this is what's going on. Help. He says, I can depend on God when I am tired. God makes the promise. I will be there. When can I count on God's power? When I am tired. When can I count on God's power? When I have nothing to offer. This can be in a relationship where you feel like I don't have anything. A job that's a dead end. Parenting does not seem to be working. My self-discipline's falling apart. My church isn't functioning for me. Or my church is this or my church is that. When I have nothing to offer. God says that you can rely on my power. Now listen to me. That's a big deal. That's no small thing because you're going to hit a moment in your life, in a situation in your life, at some time in your life, when you're going to be stuck, overwhelmed, or feel like you have no ability to do anything and life is crashing in and falling apart. And he says, I, El Shaddai, you cry out to me, put your hope in me, call on me. And he says, when you have nothing to offer, nothing to bring to the table, Let me tell you, I have had some Friday nights and even some Saturday nights and sometimes some Sunday mornings where I said, God, we got a title and we got a scripture, but I don't have anything to offer. And he miraculously, amazingly will say, here it is. But you see, that's simple. Really it is. That's not that big a deal. But let me tell you, there's some times as a husband, as a dad, 
And now I'm learning even as a grandfather that I step into the room and I've got a family that's looking at me, a family that's depending on me. And I'm saying, whoa, dude, we have nothing to offer today. Friday I was babysitting baby Chase. Baby Chase had a little situation that started here and wound up here. And, and I was like, I'm going to puke. I have nothing to offer. And Gail was saying, hug him. I'm saying, he's got poop on him. I'm not hugging him. I have nothing to offer. Yeah, poor Chase. Yeah, nothing. Poor Chase is going, Ugh. I'm going, Ugh. yeah. But listen, when I have nothing to offer, I can call on El Shaddai. And El Shaddai says, I am here. I want to step into your life. Don't exclude me from this area. Just let me in. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says this, but he said to me, but he, Paul saying, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. El Shaddai, all sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, because his, that, God said this, and this is what's going to happen, because God said that, he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. How many of you boast about your weaknesses? Doesn't feel right, does it? And it sure doesn't get as many likes on Facebook. Man, when you put your check me out, I'm amazing, I'm awesome, look what I did. Like, 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 like. I stink today. Ugh, crickets. We don't want to do that because to admit my weakness would simply cry out, I'm not enough. But when God cries out, I'm more than enough, and he lives in me, then Paul says, I can boast in the fact that even though I'm not enough, the one that I have given myself over to is more than enough. And he says, I'm going to let my weakness rather than letting it define my failure. He says, I'm going to take my weakness and let it define my victory. Because the victory does not need to be mine. The victory needs to be God's. And God says, if you will exalt me, I, in the proper time, will exalt you. So therefore, when I have nothing to offer, El Shaddai, the all-powerful God, steps in. In the margin of my Bible, next to that verse, I've written this. When I feel weak or inadequate, God's power is sufficient. God is enough. El Shaddai, the all-powerful God. You see, Satan wants to take your weakness, your lack of feeling adequate, and he wants to beat you down. God wants to take your weakness and your lack of feeling adequate and he wants to build you up. He wants to take your greatest sin, cleanse it, wash it, purge it, sift it, put it through the refiner's fire. And that which knocked you down, he wants to take and pick up. That mistake you made in that relationship, God wants to look at you and say, hand it to me, it's your weakness. Hand it to me and watch what I can do in you, for you through you and what I can do for other people. When I feel like I have nothing to offer, I can rely on God. Paul said to God, 
I have this affliction. Will you take it away from me? God said to Paul, no, I won't because my power shows up best when you realize you can't do it yourself. Paul didn't hear him the first time. He went back to him the second time and said, hey, I've got this affliction. Will you take it away? God looked at Paul and said, no, I'm going to let you keep it because my power shows up best in your weakness. Paul didn't like the first answer. Paul didn't like the second answer. Paul went to him a third time and said, hey, I got this affliction. Will you take it away? God looked at Paul and said, no, you're going to keep it. After the third time, Paul looked and said, I will boast in my infirmity. I will stand on my weakness because in my weakness, people don't see Paul. People see Christ. When I have nothing to offer, I can rely on God's power. When can I count on God's power? I can count on God's power when I am hurting. Some of the pain that's in this room this morning is very, very real. Some of the pain that's in this room this morning is very, very hard. Some of the pain that's in this room this morning is, is like the, 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 the cry that's right here and is the lump in the throat. And it wouldn't take very much for us just to go right over the edge and go, Aha! But God says, when you are hurting, you can count on my power. In fact, I just made a list. I made a list of the things that you, us, we, people in this church have shared just over the last few weeks. I would say no more than six weeks. These are the things that have, that have been brought to us. Suicide, sickness, sin, self-esteem. Physical ailments, work problems, divorce, grief, financial issues, single, and no end or hope of, of having a relationship. And it's your longing, it's your desire. And those are real things that people that you sit by every week are either texting or stopping and saying, Will you walk with me? Will you talk with me? Will you pray with me? This is what I'm doing. I'm in a relationship. I love the relationship. But my behavior is killing it. That's what's going on. And so how does God respond to that? What is God's answer to, I can rely on his power when I am hurting? Psalm 41.3, write that down. Psalm 41.3 says, The Lord sustains them on their sick bed. Now, you've got to hear what the word sustain means. Because I don't want you just to think he does a drive-by and says, I'm praying for you. Or he stops by and said, going to be all right. Oh, no, 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 no. I want you to picture that you have been running full steam ahead. And there's a cliff right here. And you've been running full steam ahead. You're not slowing down. The warning signs are there. The situation's going on. And even though you know there's a cliff there, that you have run and you run right over the edge. And just before you get over the edge and too far out of reach, God reaches down and grabs you. Look at the picture on the front of your bulletin. Right quick. You notice in that picture that it's not the one holding on to God. It's God holding on to the one. That's intentional. That God grabs you and if God lets go of you, you will perish. 
But the scripture says the Lord sustains. The Lord sustains those on their sick bed and restores them from their bed of illness. So here we are. Whoop! I'm over the edge. Here's God. Gotcha! Oh God, don't let go. And he's not going to just stay there. He says, but I will restore. So he's not just going to leave me as a little pendulum over the cliff. He says, if you will rely on me, if you will depend on me, if you will call on me, if you will confess to me, if you will repent to me, if you will trust me, he says, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to pull you back up, and I'm going to put you at the edge of that cliff to catch other people that are about to go over. You see, somewhere in here we've, we've gotten this idea that the Christian life is, I fail and God grabs, and that's a true statement. But the ultimate goal of the Christian life is not, I fail, God grabs. The ultimate goal of the Christian life is, I fail, God grabs, and then He equips me and empowers me to be a grabber of everybody else. Now, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. If you have not reached the place of your spiritual maturity where you're grabbing, then we got growing to do. It's not about what I did. My, if my best testimony is behind me, I don't have a good testimony. My best testimony is now and there. And he says, you can depend on me when you're hurting. When we access God's power, it so invades our life that it satisfies our soul. So when can I count on God's power? I can count on God's power when I'm tired. I can count on God's power when I have nothing to offer. I can count on God's power when I am hurting. And here's the fourth one. I can count on God's power when I face temptation. The honest answer is this. Some of the pain in my life is not spiritual warfare but stupid choices. It's choices that I made or situations that I allowed myself to get into that I did not remove myself from even though I had the knowledge in my head that God said flee temptation. Romans 7:18 says this, for I know that God that, I'm sorry, let me start over. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. Paul said that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I have but I cannot carry it out. I saw a bumper sticker recently that said, um, lead us not into temptation. I'm perfectly capable of finding it on my own. Truth. I can find it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this about temptation. No temptation has overtaken you. So raise your hand if you're you. All right? No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you've been through that? <laughs> you've been through that? You've been there? You went through that too? So it says no temptation's overtaken you except what is common to humanity, to mankind. And God. But God. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Whoa, wait a minute. I'm tempted. 
And then I feel like, oh, I just can't bear it. That's more than I can handle. God says, I won't let you get there if you'll depend on me. He said, I will give you the way out. Because it goes on to say, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide the way out so that you can endure it. Rabbit, side note, whatever you want to call it. I hear people say all the time, God will not put more on you than you can bear. Not true. Zero true. Totally false. One of the biggest lies that Satan ever told. Because if you can bear it on your own, guess who you do not need? You don't need God. So God will put more on you than you can bear. On your own. But God, when you are tempted, what does it say? He provides the way out. He gives you the exit. He gives you the victory. So when you would face something that's bigger than you, thank God for that because it just declares, God, I need you. Then call on him, recite to him 1 Corinthians 10, 13 and say, show me the door. Show me the way out. Because God by myself, I'm about to give in. But with you in my mind and you in my heart and you in my actions, God, we're going to overcome this thing. When I face temptation, God is there. Paul said, Philippians 4.13, write it down, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, poor theology. We stop at, I can do all things. So we're Rocky Balboa running up the steps. The music's playing, hands are in the air. Look at me. And God says, no, look at me. I can do all things through Christ. So how do we do this? This is what's on your outline now. It's ABCs. We're going to look at them. How do we appropriate El Shaddai in our lives? You admit you're weak. That is not popular today. In fact, it's more popular to say, I got this. God says, my way is to say, no, you don't. Proverbs 3, I'm sorry, Proverbs 29, 23. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. So who does God mock? The proud. Who does God strengthen? The humble. Who does God give his strength to? Those who have the courage, the intestinal fortitude to look at him and say, I can't, you can Here's another mama thing that she taught me from a child. I can't. You never said I could. You can. You always said you would. That's some good theology there. And we need to remember that. James 5, 6 says, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble, the humble. If you want God's power in your life, you got to be like Paul and say, I will boast in my weakness. I will boast in my affirmity. I will say that it's there. And I will say that the reason that I can overcome is because Christ who is in me. Oh, it's so easy to think 
I've got this. It's so easy to think it's under control. God says, drop it and cry out to me. When we pretend to be self-sufficient, and I will even go and say the word, the key word there is pretend. We short-circuit God's power in our lives. So A, you admit you're weak. B, you stay connected to the source of power. Here's a theory. Electrical things work better when they're plugged in. True or false? Why? Because the plug connects it to the source. Well, I'm going to tell you that born-again children of God work better when they're plugged in to the source. You're connected to the power. (laughs) And hear me. Being plugged in is not just simply stating I'm a Christian. Being plugged in is not simply serving at church. Being plugged in is not just telling someone that you are a believer. Being plugged in is taking my mind, taking my emotions, taking my will, taking my past, my present, my future, and submitting it to God and allowing Him to sift it. Allowing Him to burn it, purge it, if you will, with a refiner's fire. Let the impurities rise to the top. And when God lets the impurities by His heat and by His testing and by His, this rises it to the top. It's giving Him permission to skim it off. There are things in your life. That you will want. That God will say that's not best for you. It's not best for you this way or that way or if you do this. Give him permission to skim it off. Give him permission and say hey God I'm going to have a void here. If you take that out of my life there's going to be a vacancy. There's going to be a void. And God you promised that any void that I created in obedience you would fill with yourself. Be honest with him. Admit I'm weak. I don't even know how to void myself of this, God. I don't know how to let you backfill it, if you will. But God, I'm trusting you, and that's what I'm doing today. I'm handing it to you. I'm handing you an attitude. I'm handing you an action. Ben Hameen and others posted on Facebook this week, they were building a seawall. And... They went out in the middle to where the water will ultimately be. They, they built this seawall. And there was, a va- there was a, an open on this side and an open on that side. When they get the wall in place and it's secure, they're going to go in and they're going to backfill up to that wall and pack that dirt. So that what's beating up against it won't, inf- won't erode the beach. You see, God says to, let me put a seawall in your life. Let me be it. Let me backfill your life with myself. 
so that when temptation beats up against it, it won't erode. When life happens, it won't erode. You will be able to withstand the storms because I am protecting you. I am your keeper. He says, be connected to the power. Jesus understood this. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Those who remain in me, in other words, those who are connected with me, and I in them, they will produce fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Paul understood it this way. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus gave it to us another way. It said, apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, you got to be plugged in. you got to stay connected to the power. C, choose God's way by faith and expect His power. Now, I think for me, this may be the toughest. The Bible makes it very clear that God's power and my faith are connected. For me to get God's power, I've got to step out in faith. What does choose God's way mean? Choose God's way means that I will step believing that God will perform even if I can't see what He's about to do. And you say, God, show me and I'll trust you. God says, trust me and I'll show you. That goes against everything that my mind thinks of. But God says, choose my way by faith and expect my power. It means to step out in obedience to what God calls us to do before the power shows up. Again, the key word is before. If it's after, it's not faith. And there will be times that God tells you to do something after he shows you. That's called obedience. Faith is stepping out before. And many times in scripture he gave us an example of people that he told to step out in faith. Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is this. It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. You see I believe here that B and C work together. That they are connected. Be connected to the source of power so that when God says step, you've heard him, you step, and by faith you obey him and then he shows up in your life. Another mama-ism. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So when God speaks, you act. When God says go, you do it. You don't stop and say, hey God, I think I'm going to do this. I'm thinking about doing this. I might do this. If you'll do this or that. No, God says when I tell you, you obey because that's faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. You see, if we come in here and we are Act like we're from Missouri, the show me state. God, you show me and I'll do. God says, you're not pleasing me because you're not a faithful people. So you got to think about a moment, a situation, a time in your life where you know without a doubt that God said, I told you to do this. And you wanted to do it, you had the desire to do it, but you didn't have the gumption or the fortitude to do it, the courage to do it. And you, you, you sat there and it just didn't work. God says, I'm going to reveal it, you obey it, and watch what I will do for you. Have y'all ever seen the movie Prince of Egypt? It's really just the story of Exodus, alright, you know that. So, 
Here's the Reader's Digest version or the Cliff Notes. What is it now? Spark Notes? Huh? Spark Notes. See, I'm just going to tell y'all how old I am because I've read them all. All right, so it goes like this. The Hebrew people are in Egypt. God comes to Moses at a bush and says, go get them. Moses doesn't really want to go get those people, so he makes some excuses, and God says, I tell you what, I'm just going to send your brother Aaron. He'll go with you. I'll talk to you. You talk to Aaron. Aaron will talk to the people, and we're going to get those people out of there. So they go back with their band of brothers, and they're ready to, to go get those people out, and Pharaoh doesn't want to let the people out. Pharaoh says no, and God says this, and Pharaoh says no, and God says this. Finally and ultimately, after some plagues and torment and other things happening, Pharaoh finally says, you know what, I'm going to let those people go. And so sure enough, Moses and the estimated number of somewhere around 2 million people begin to march out of Egypt. They says that they get about how many days? Anybody know? No, not how many days out from Egypt? Maybe about three days, right? So they've been walking a while. They have walked a ways, put up a tent, walked a ways, put up a tent, done this kind of stuff. Well, finally, Pharaoh wakes up on that that day and he says what have I just done nobody's making bricks nobody's cooking food nobody's washing the dishes nobody's doing this nobody's doing that he looks at his soldiers and says y'all better go get those people and sure enough it says that the chariots and the horses and the warriors head out of Egypt headed towards the dust trail that's somewhere out there and they begin to get to them and Moses looks back and says uh oh the people of Israel look back and say uh oh and so they start probably walking faster. The scripture doesn't say it, but I'm just thinking, if there's a chariot on my backside, I'm going to be walking faster, probably running. Well, they run all the way to the edge of the Red Sea. Exodus 14 says they begin to grumble. It would have been better for us to be in Egypt than out here about to drown in this ocean. And Moses says something like this. Watch this. Watch what God's about to do for you. Because you remember back there when he was telling him to go back, he said that stick in your hand is going to be my power. It's how you're going to display it. It's going to be how you show it. He tells Moses, what I want you to do is step out in that water, place the stick in the water. I'm going to part the sea. And Moses, I know he wanted to, even if he doesn't admit it when he wrote this, because he wrote it. I know he's thinking, you part it and I'll walk. But he resists that temptation. He turns around, looks at the people and says, look and see what God's going to do for you. And then boldly he turns and hitches up his little skirty thing. He sticks that stick in the water and steps in the water. And the water goes, Poof, and the people march through. All right, listen to me. There are people in this room today in varying degrees of at the edge of the Red Sea. And God has already told you he's going to part the water and let you pass through. And you're waiting for him to part the water. And God says, I'll part the water when you step in. I hear people say all the time, I can't grow here. I can't grow there. My spiritual life is this and my spiritual life is that. And I'm going to ask you, have you made a deposit? I mean, I go to the bank. And I can take money out because what? There was money put in. 
and we're going and living our spiritual lives in such a way, God, I'm not trusting you. I'm not obeying you. I'm not displaying faith. God, this, 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 and this. Where are you, God? And God says, you trust me, and I'm going to part the water in your life. Sweet mama, delayed obedience is disobedience. A lack of faith, you can't please God. Today, do you even have today in you Whatever that thing is that God has brought to your mind this morning, do you have this morning? Are you willing to be a child of Israel? Are you willing to step into the water? You see, even though the water parted, they didn't know the water wasn't going to close back in on them. They had to keep on walking. And this morning, man, we got to step. And it may be the hardest step you've ever made. It may be the easiest step you've ever made. But I will tell you, on the other side of the step, God shows up. And God blesses your life. Today. <laughs> Think of all days, of all weekends. When we're honoring and remembering the life of somebody that, that had no assurance that what he was going to step out for was ever going to happen. But he said... The vision that is inside of me is greater than the obstacles before me. And I believe in what I believe in so much that I'm willing to risk it. And the step was taken. And look where we are. Work to do? Absolutely. But we wouldn't be here if somebody hadn't led us. The children of Israel wouldn't have made it to the promised land if Moses hadn't have led them. We wouldn't be eternally secure if Jesus had not in the garden when he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. We wouldn't be born again if Jesus had said, my will only. That's what makes redemption. It's time to hold El Shaddai to the promise he made. And you see, when you hold him to the promise he made, that's not arrogant. That's faith. God says to you today, I will honor your faith with my supernatural power. I will give you power along the way. Father, we ask you today to give us the courage to appropriate the power that you have so freely and already given to us. God, in our fear, Lord, we ask you to be our strength. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning for the person who is in weakness, honest, Legitimate weakness. Finding it hard to say yes. Lord, we ask you to help them. We ask you to strengthen them. God, we ask you for the person that's a victim this morning. To give them the trust to take the step. Lord, we pray for the obstinate this morning, the rebellious, the arrogant. Lord, that you would break that will 
And the answer would be yes. For the confused, the uncertain, God, we ask you to be clarity. Lord, we know this. Whatever the ailment, you're the healer. We know that wherever we are, you are there. And we know that whatever's lacking, you are the power. So God, I do ask you, in the middle of this worship service, to show up in me, in us, individually, to show up in us as a church. God, we simply make ourselves pieces, if you will, of the chess game and we allow you, we give you permission this morning to move them around for your glory. In our hurting, we cry out to you. In our weakness, we cling to you. Be our help. Just a moment, we'll stand and sing again, El Shaddai. During that time, it's an opportunity for you to come here to the front and pray. If you would like for someone to pray with you, there will be people positioned here at the front ready to pray with you. If you need to have a conversation with someone, we are here to have conversation with you. If you want to know how to enter into a personal relationship with God through His Son, Christ, we will be happy to talk to you about what it means to be born again, redeemed. We would love to have you in our church. You can unite with our church today. So, Father, this is a time, it's your time, Grant us the gift of worship in this response. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand, sing. You respond.